The following is a CA original. We gotta go into play with confidence and uh, and knowing you know our strengths and our weaknesses, and I think um, we're gonna try to hide them a little better. We gotta use every day to to get better and, and understanding uh, what teams are gonna do to us. Especially if we logged into a seven, you know we know pretty much who we're gonna play, and and we just seen in the last month we played them three times and seen how they uh, how they play us. So you know I hope and I'm confident that we're gonna try to find solutions to. Uh, this time of year, you're already in the playoffs. You know, that was a playoff game. I think you could tell by the physicality of it that that was a playoff basketball game. So every mistake you make is going to be, you know, highlighted, um, you know, because these teams are really battling for it. All closed games right now. I mean, with no matter who's on the floor for us, we're getting it down to the, you know, to where it's a, a possession here, a possession there. That's why I'm not, I'm not disappointed. You know, I, I hate losing. Get, don't get me wrong, but right now we're trying to build something so that we give ourselves a chance to win a series. This is the Grizzlies podcast with the only beat writer the Memphis Grizzlies have ever known, Ron Tillery, with columnist Jeff Conkins and pick and pop columnist Chris Harrington. All right, uh, this is Jeff Hawkins. I am in studio. Chris Harrington, also in studio. The only beat writer the Grizzlies have ever known is on the phone, joining us on the phone. Uh, we all watched an epic performance last night from West Russell Westbrook, who did not get his triple-double, but took basically everything else he wanted, and in the process, essentially locked the Grizzlies into a series, a playoff series with the Spurs. So we will get into all of that. Uh, first First of all, Ron, why don't we ask you, what did you think of Ron, uh, Russell Westbrook last night? Yeah, I, I just felt like he he turned in a special MVP caliber future Hall of Fame performance. It, it was a good night for all. I mean, except for the Grizzlies didn't win the game. Uh, people got to see Westbrook play at a very high level despite the triple-double. And by him not getting a triple-double, FedEx Forum doesn't become a footnote in history. <laughs> uh, but... Um, yeah, and, and, and even without Mike Conley, I think the Grizzlies uh, performed as well as they could. Uh, as, as Fizdale said in that clip, you know, they just struggled to make the, the, the clutch plays down the stretch. And, and you'd like to think it would be different if Mike Conley had been out there. But, but um, you know, guys, and I'll be interested to hear your take on this. I, I heard this argument for Westbrook because I wasn't going to vote for him. I have an MVP vote. But when you think about the thousands of NBA players who have stepped on an NBA court over the years, and he will be only the second to average a triple-double for a playoff team, I think that did it for me. I do think Russell Westbrook should be the MVP. Um, I think all four of the main guys you can make an argument for, and so I would not quarrel with anyone's vote, whether it's Westbrook, Harden, LeBron, or um, Kawhi Leonard. But if I had a ballot, I agree with you. I would vote for Westbrook. It's not because of the triple-double. I mean, I think if he averaged nine rebounds instead of ten, he would have no less of a great season. But I just think the totality of what he has done on that team just willing them to wins. Um, I, I think he's been, he's probably been the best player in the NBA this season. And I think he's had, even without the triple double average, probably the most memorable and sort of meaningful season in the NBA this year. Yeah. And I think he, um, I think he has to get credit for, uh, there's some people who quibble with him being in sixth. I, I'm not particularly hung up on that. Um, 
at all, honestly. I don't, you know, in terms of the great players on great teams, um, LeBron is, you know, obviously has great years every year, but this is not among his best years. And then James Harden is a is a great player on a slightly better team, like on a better team, but not not one of the uh, the, the 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 truly super teams. In I'm um, not a team that I think most of us think will win a title. I don't really care that they're in sixth place. I think they're in sixth place because of Russell Westbrook, uh, pretty pretty clearly. So, and I give him points when I'm trying to break a tie. I do give points to a guy who busts his ass every single damn night. The ferocity with which he plays is maybe the tiebreaker for me. Um, and um, so, yeah, I, 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 I would vote for him. I do not have a vote. Um, I was thrilled uh, in the end. I thought the performance last night, we saw a magnificent performance by Russell Westbrook. He did not get the, get the triple-double, which I found myself rooting against him getting the triple-double. Not I, I just did. But then I think you're right, Ron, that it was a good night for all because... Like all the things you wanted, except for the victory from the Grizzlies, I think you got. You got Mark playing at a high level, reengaged after a game where he looked like he was not knocking the rust off. You got Zebo playing at a high level. You got Tony Allen playing at a high level. Yeah, they didn't win. I don't think most of us thought at this point they were going to be sixth anyway. So. I pretty much got everything from that game I wanted. I thought it was. I thought that the the team looks good heading into the playoffs, even though they've lost seven to nine. Your thoughts? They are playing better uh, because they are putting themselves in position to win. Uh, Mark has shaken off the rust after being off for five games. I mean, last night I thought he looked good, uh, you know, despite the turnover at the end. But that was another great Westbrook play who stole the ball from him <laughs> in, a, in a very key moment of the game. Um, but, yeah, they, 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 they just have got to get healthy and they've got to still solidify their rotation going to the playoffs and the idea that they can afford to now that they're locked in a seven take basically take off the next three games i I think is ill-advised uh i think fisdale will find a way to get to some rest but they've got to build on you know what they did in san antonio even though they lost uh what they did last night even though they lost i mean we're not going to sugarcoat the laker loss because that was just a, a terrible bad loss uh but but they don't look as bad as they were looking when they lost five in a row they look like a team that that can you know i i think there's so many questions there were so many questions around health and you know to see marcus all look pretty normal was encouraging to see i mean andrew harrison you know we we complain a lot about this year but they need him in the playoffs probably um and he looked he looked healthy last night and I think played well to the level of his abilities. Um, Tony Allen l- looked, looked healthy. Jamichael Green, I'm not so sure about yet. Mike Conley's, what the injury he has is not the kind of thing that's going to linger into the playoffs. But I, th- I think you're right, Ryan, in that it's not as simple as just shut everyone down for, until you get to the playoffs. I, what I wrote today is that David Fisdale, like the outcomes in these next three games aren't going to impact their matchup or their seeding, but they have to find the right balance between being rested and being in rhythm. And how can you how can you achieve both of those things at the same time? And I don't know I don't know how you get there, but that that's sort of Fisdale's job to figure out how much to play certain players to achieve both of those goals at the same time. Uh, well, that's exactly Ryan. right because 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 you know the reality is you know even though Mark was on his so-called minutes restriction, you know he he had twenty three 
five assists, five rebounds, four block shots, a couple steals in 33 minutes. That's around where he probably should be because, uh, you, you know, uh, he had been playing like upwards of 39 minutes before he left with the injury. Uh, obviously, he's going to play more in the playoffs. But, yeah, if you can find a rhythm in a reasonable amount of minutes, uh, I, I think, you know, that's something that, that, that we should look for uh, over the next three games. Let me ask you this, Ron, because uh, uh, Brevin actually said it on the, the postgame television broadcast, and then you alluded to it just now that they have to figure out their rotation. I was talking to Chris earlier, and he sort of thinks the rotation, it's pretty clear what their rotation is. Do, what questions remain to you about their rotation? We know it's going to be Tony and Mike and uh, and Mark and, and Jermichael and Vince. We know that the uh, that Zebo and Andrew Harrison are going to, you know, Andrew Harrison's going to back up the point and Zebo is going to be the backup big. And we know that Ennis and Troy Daniels are the two wings. And we know that Brandon Wright's sort of the extra guy. Is it is it not clear what they're going to look like or what which what nuances within that need to be figured out from your perspective? Yeah, I'm not sure. So sure it's clear. I mean, obviously, since Brandon Wright has been thrown into the mix regularly, I mean, he's given them the dimension of, of you know, the small ball, uh, athletic, big, uh, you know, the, the 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 pick and pop guy. I mean, not pick and pop, but, you know, he, he rim runs rather uh, uh, dimension. And I, I think what has to be figured out is how much you use Troy Daniels versus Ennis versus Wayne Selden. I, I think that's going to be the tricky part. What did you make of Selden getting sort of the rotation run in the first half over Ennis last night? I think he's auditioning, if I were to be honest. Uh, and, of course, we're always super honest, brutally honest on this podcast. <laughs> I think Wayne might be auditioning for to be Tony Allen's replacement. I, I really do. Uh, I, they like his size. But they like his ability to guard. And obviously he can make shots, although he was 0 for 3 from three-point range yesterday. But um, uh, I, I think he's auditioning for a future here uh, in Memphis. It seems to me when you talk about you talked about you know the questions on the wing and how things might get squeezed. It seems to me like maybe Jamichael Green is the player most in danger of having his presumed role squeezed. And we'll, we can get we'll get the specifics of the matchups more next week. But they know they're going to play the Spurs. Jamichael is not. He's had the shoulder thing. He's not been as healthy. He wasn't particularly productive last night. And the Spurs are a team that tends to play two true bigs. And so you have Zach Randolph, who's your most productive front court player, other than Marcus All, but then Brandon Wright gives you the size that maybe you know is going to contest a let's say a Lamarcus Aldridge jumper maybe more than a Jamichael Green would so it seems to me that Green might be the one most in danger of, of having his role fluctuate a little bit what do you think of uh, what do you think of Troy Daniels lately obviously last night Oladipo just made him disappear um, but thoughts on how much run he'll get in the playoffs Ron? Well, it's hard to say because, you know, uh, Fisdale can be a, a field coach, you know, for whatever night that is and, 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 and matchups. Um, and so, like, for instance, it was a bit surprising that Ennis only got six and a half minutes uh, in that game uh, when you would have thought that you needed some athleticism and, and speed, you know, on the wing. So, um you know, I, I think Troy Daniels has been and will continue to be a guy who they just determine his minutes based on his ability to make shots. Uh, it'll be easy to go away from him, um, you know, if, if he starts cold. The interesting thing about the way the season has played out is for the longest time, it felt like we were saying 
just get in four and five. And then it was just don't play the Warriors or the Spurs. And maybe it's because of what we've seen of the Spurs. And obviously, we will talk more about that matchup next week. Maybe it's because we're talking to ourselves into it. Maybe it's because the way they've played the Spurs, but they clearly played them well, uh, you know, two games ago. I don't sense that there's there may not be just blazing excitement over this matchup, but I don't think there is the sense of foreboding that there was um, earlier in the year when people were just trying to do whatever we can to avoid that miserable matchup with the Spurs. Chris, it's become clear to me that at the very minimum, you know, the idea that there was the Warriors and the Spurs and then you jump down, I think it's clear to me that there's the Warriors and then you jump down to the Spurs and Rockets. And so that even if even if you think there's a gap between the Spurs and Rockets with the Spurs being the better team, that gap is smaller to me than the gap between the Warriors and Spurs. I think the Warriors to me are a heavy favorite in the West. And I don't perceive an enormous difference between, I've said this over and over again, I don't perceive an enormous difference between the Spurs and the Rockets in terms of the 2-3. And from a matchup standpoint, I I actually tend to think the Spurs are, while the Grizzlies will be a heavy underdog, a little bit better matchup. Well, and we agree on that because, you know, the idea that Houston is so committed to the long ball and trying to put up 50 a game and with their depth, they come at you in waves with their style of play. I'm just not so sure the Grizzlies are built um, to, to hang with that. Whereas with the Spurs, the Grizzlies get to be themselves. And and I think the key part of that is Zach Randolph's ability to stay on the floor. He doesn't have to worry about a stretch four. Uh, he'll he'll bang around with Aldridge. He'll he'll bang around with old Powell Gasol. And 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 he'll have an opportunity uh to to score and then also not be a defensive liability. So I think that matchup definitely serves them well in terms of being competitive in a series, although I still don't think they would win the series. What do you think Fisdale's attitude is now as he is getting prepared to head into his first playoffs as a head coach? Well, you know what? That's an interesting question, Jeff, because, you know, think about his season, his rookie season. You know, you get Chandler Parsons who can't participate in training camp and isn't ready to start the season. Then when he's rolled out, you know, you got this minutes restriction and you're being made to play him even though he can't help you. Mike gets a broken back. Uh, Zach loses his mother. Uh, Jay Michael gets injured, broken face. Yesterday against the Thunder, they used a 24th different starting lineup. And and occasionally, Fisdale will harken back to the nasty nine when they actually were rolling. <laughs> uh, so I'm rambling because I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know what his mindset could possibly be. This has been... A, a roller coaster. My sense with Fisdale as a rookie coach this season, in terms of in terms of how he's perceived from the outside, is generally that it's been a positive perception in a macro sort of big picture sense. That you know mm-hmm. the big decisions he's made in terms of unleashing Marcus All's three point shot and opening up Mike Conley's offensive game, moving Zach Randolph to the bench, the way he carries himself in public. I think he's been very highly thought of in those big picture ways. I think from a game coach day to day tactical decision-making standpoint, I think people have sort of raised some more questions. And he's even like admitted questions that he's had after games. Like, should I have played Deontay Davis more against the Lakers? And some of those, I, and I think I think it speaks well of him that he's willing to voice some of those second guesses. But I think because of that, no one's going to expect the Grizzlies to win this playoff series. But if they're not competitive, if they just get blown out of the water, I, then I think I think there will be disappointment in Fisdale to not, because this team has a history of 
sort of punching above their weight a little bit, even if they don't win, other than, you know, when they didn't have the players last year or in the, when they finally got to the conference finals. Other than that, this team under Lionel Hollins and under Dave Yeager has been more competitive than, than, than the records would suggest they would be in a lot of these series. So I think people will expect them to be competitive in this series and that if they get, you know, swept out in four games or five games that aren't competitive, there may be some more questions. It, it's an now. interesting question because obviously since we last <clears throat> since we last spoke in this podcast, they have clinched their seventh straight appearance in the playoffs. And you've made the point, Chris, that one of the reasons that people have enjoyed it, and they clearly have, it's been fabulous, but part of the key has been that they have been competitive in the playoffs. Indeed, as you have pointed out, Every other year, they have at least advanced around, and it contrasts with the first three years that they first times went to the playoffs. When it by the third year, when no one was enjoying it, it just felt hopeless, and people were blow it up. Here, I don't think anyone is, or a few cranks will say blow it up, but but um, I don't think that's been the general mood. I think people have savored it, and it has had the impact. We, maybe we sometimes overdo the impact it's had on the city and all that, but I think all of that is real. Some of it is dependent on them being competitive. So it'll be interesting to me to see, Ron, how much do you think how they do in this series will frame, A, how we think about the year in retrospect, but B, how we think about the team going forward? Well, you know, I I, I don't think what happens in this playoff should frame going forward because everything Chris said about Fisdale is very valid. But I think what the playoffs will be is a referendum uh, or maybe uh, an exclamation point on what we feel about the roster. I mean, it's not a small sample size. Like, based on everything I said earlier about how the season has gone, they've had to use, as Fisdale would call it, every bullet in the holster. And what we have learned is the draft pick, Wade Baldwin, wasn't able to contribute. Andrew Harrison is probably a third-string point guard, if not a D-leaguer. Um, and, 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 and if Mike and Mark... And to some extent, think about this part. Zach and 40-year-old Vince Carter don't play at a high level most nights. It is going to be a short series. That's what we know, right? Like, they, 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 they haven't had this great talent uh, development uh, with the younger players. And then and, 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 uh, everybody else is old. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I plan on getting into this next week, but they need Mike Conley and Marcus All. Mike Conley and Marcus All have both shown they can still play at an all-star level. In fact, in some ways, they've been better than ever this season. But the Grizzlies, to be competitive in the playoffs, need both of those players to play at an all-star level at the same time. And it actually, it's actually been kind of a long time since we've seen that this season. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, I think we know who they are, and that's why I think, you know, I mean, it'd be nice to see them be competitive because, you know. The core four brings a lot of fight and pride and all that to the game. But are they built to be competitive? I'm, I'm not so sure. It's uh, it'll be remarkable as we uh, it's obviously where it all began seven years ago. Ron, you were there. I was there at courtside. Mike Heisley was there uh, celebrating as Shane Battier hit that shot. And that's where this all began for the four core four. And I guess there's a certain amount of symmetry that that's where we're headed back for what could be. I think what most of us expect is probably is most likely 
to be the last time the core four are together. I'm not ruling it out, but it's it's certainly within the realm of possibility that this will be the last time. So why don't we just uh, wrap it up and we'll talk more about that and about the particular matchup next week when we have the playoff uh, edition of this podcast. Thanks very much for listening and we will talk to you next week. For the latest news and analysis, follow the Commercial Appeal on Twitter at Memphis News. This is the Commercial Appeal.